Welcome to Blurds United. Whoever you are, wherever and whenever you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. I'm Disa, as ever with Yazzie, and we're just a blurred couple trying to navigate our way through all these geekdoms and bring them all together for your consumption. Okay, so we're here today doing what we hope will become a more regular part of the Blurds United podcast, the review show. There are a couple different parts to this that we'd love to include on a more regular basis. Firstly, there's the girlfriend review with my blurred adjacent girlfriend Yazzie. Then we've got the hot review. That doesn't take too much explaining. We just review whatever's hot in cinema, video games, in television, um, wherever, or even comic books if we get our hands on anything really cool. Um, Lastly, we have the retro review. Now, this is kind of an exciting idea. We're going to be looking at old movies, old series, old, old things, and old media. And we're going to be having a look at it and giving it a review and telling you whether or not you should go cop it right now or not. Anyway, guys, as always, suggestions are welcome. Please do not hesitate to slide right into our DMs and holler at us. Um, we always answer questions in the DMs, provided they're, you're not a bot. Anyway, without further ado, let's get straight to it. Alright, let's start the hot review off by discussing a show that we're following rather keenly. Um, that is, of course, DC's Titans, which is available on DC's new streaming service. Um, this week we're looking at Titans Episode 2. Of course, we're always welcome. We're welcoming your reviews and your your opinions on it. We're going to be fielding stuff on our Instagram page and Facebook and talking about it on our Facebook group. Um, but let me get right into my thoughts on it. All right, this show. I'm not hundred percent sure where it's going right now. I mean, we are only on episode two, but um, let's talk about what's bad about it first. What what went wrong with this episode? It, it, it really annoyed me that they didn't build on where they left off in the last episode. Um, in, the, in episode one, we finish off with, with, with Beast Boy. We see him ro- robbing a, uh, a tech store, an electronic store. And, you know, we see the transformation. Now, I understand Beast Boy is an expensive character to add. Robin is cheap as old chips. Trust me, that is so easy to do. You get a nice suit. You get a kid kicking and punching and all that stuff he's really easy to do there's no cgi no extra effect help you just throw a bit of pig's blood on him and he's good to go right but beast boy is expensive so having his effects in every single episode him turning into this that or that whatever animal can be expensive but i wanted beast boy we introduced Robin last week, we introduced Raven last week, and we had a nice little curtsy towards Starfire, and then this week, there is none of that. Well, there's Robin and Raven, but there's nothing else. And we got introduced to two new characters, rather, who I don't think are gonna, who aren't even on the poster. I don't think they're on the poster. Uh, but they are gonna form a part of the show as it progresses. But I didn't want that. I wanted to know more about, I wanted to get an intro into Beast Boy. And they didn't build on that. 
The other thing that really annoyed me about this episode thus far, or not, let me not say annoyed. Annoyed is a little bit too firm. What struck me about the show that I'm not sure I'm in favor of yet is that this doesn't feel like the Titans yet. What it feels like thus far, it feels like we're getting a Nightwing show. Now, I'm a big fan of that. I, Nightwing is one of my favorite characters, like, ever. Dick Grayson is my favorite Robin. Nightwing is one of my favorite DC heroes. I think that he is, he's the Batman that we really all want. Um, in, in my view, he's more interesting to me than Batman, always has been. But whatever. You know, I know I'm in the minority on that one. And I would not be against a Nightwing show. The issue I have is that this show is called Titans. That is a problem. You can't name a show something and then give us... You can't name a show after a group and then give us anything but the group. That's That that seems to be an issue for me. Um, and I think it could be an issue moving forward unless, of course, we get two Starfire and Beast Boy storylines as soon as possible. I know it's going to be expensive, DC, but get to it. You've got all the monies. You've got all those WB monies float, floating around over there. Um, and plus, I heard you freed up a lot of money by uh, getting getting rid of Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck. So you must have a, a couple a couple bucks kicking around there in the back. Break open the piggy bank and give me some piggy beast boy in, on the case, okay? Um, what else did I not like about this episode? Ah, this is not really a, a criticism of the episode, but something to do with what I've noticed in, in terms of a trend regarding the, the structure of the shows and how they begin and end. It feels very much like a show for binging. Like it's constructed like a, like, like a binging show, not in the traditional format where it ends in a cliffhanger that you're supposed to like wait with bated breath and get excited about. This show ends sort of like on a... On a whatever note which is great for binging because which is great for binging on a netflix sort of format because you just go right into the next episode the next episode loads up and you're sorted right but this show is not a binging show it's a week-to-week show thus far anyway and it strikes me as a little bit strange that you construct it not on a high note or a low note but just rather a yeah that's what yeah that's, that's kind of what happened so um these are our producers and moving right along that's kind of like how it finishes it's kind of finished on a yeah you know and i'm i'm not i'm not sure about it i think that it it, it shows where the show wanted to be but and and i think that they're constructing it for a later format of people getting into this show slowly and then coming back into it Anyway, let's not get hung up on the bad stuff, okay? Let's get into some good stuff. And the first thing that I will say is the fight choreography is continuing to be good. It is generally good. There's a whole sequence where Robin does his best Batman impression. I mean, this thing was brutal. If you thought that opening episode uh, had good choreography or whatever, this one gets into some really hardcore, visceral, bloody choreography. We got Robin throwing his R's everywhere and getting into people's eyes. He's cutting people's balls off. It, it, it was, it, I mean, 
it, it, it was hardcore, man. Like, I, I was really not ready for that. He's, he's grabbing people from the sky. He's doing his best Batman impression. It was, it's really good. It's really, really good. And it feels, you understand, you're starting to understand what he means when he says things like, I was becoming too much like him. The hero from Gotham. Obviously referring to Batman. It, um, that was, that was really you could you could visually see the story that was being told regarding robin he's way too aggressive he's he's he's, he's, he's even the characters on the show who are beating people up and breaking teeth and whatnot they're just kind of looking at robin like i don't know man i think you're going too far man like maybe you should calm down you know when when you have characters who are taking people's teeth out saying that you're too hardcore that's that's a sign you know um and but it, for us it's great choreography it's really great fight fight sequences and fight choreography another thing that i really liked about the show the deeper delve into robin now i did say earlier that i didn't like the fact that it's nightwing that that it feels like a nightwing show not a titan show but look the good thing about it is robin is an anchoring character he's 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 where the titans are going to gravitate toward he's going to be their first leader he's going to be what they all look to for what should we do when we get to those moments of uh, of beast boy saying i don't know what to do well we're going to need a guy who's going to do that and that's robin so we need to really understand him and his motivations and we got that we got out him getting a call from alfred pennyworth yes of course you know who alfred pennyworth is we didn't hear the voice so we don't know whether or not um this show is linked to the gotham universe in any way shape or form um but we did see the see the name and a sort of I could, I just sort of, I turned the volume up really high and I got a sort of faint British accent there, but it was, it was, it was so, it was, it was so digitally scrambled that like it was a, it was a little bit tough to make out. We got more and more mentions of Bruce Wayne. Love that. Love, 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 love that. People seem to want to stay away from Bruce Wayne, from mentioning Bruce Wayne on the other DC shows. I don't know why. Bruce Wayne, Batman, like, I like the mentions of Bruce Wayne and Batman. Bruce Wayne and Batman are hardcore, man. I want that. I want more mentions of that. My last thing that I'm going to talk about is the motherfucking cussing, y'all. This show, this is not like, this is not Arrow. This isn't Supergirl. This isn't Flash. This isn't Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This isn't even Daredevil. These motherfuckers are fucking cussing all the motherfucking time, y'all. I mean, they're dropping S-bombs and F-bombs and all kinds of bombs all over the show. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen it. You know, I, I don't think that I really, anybody could have expected this of the show, but I'm loving it, man. I'm loving all the F-bombs getting dropped. I'm loving the, the, how it's also represented visually. It aids the storytelling. It doesn't take away from the storytelling. It doesn't feel as though it's a gimmick. Them just, it feels very natural. Um, we've all been there. We're, we're all watching shows like, like, like Arrow or something like that, or Legend of Tomorrow, and we know the character would have cussed. A real person in this situation would have cussed, but they don't because you know it's on network television. You can't cuss. You can't. You can't even say shit. So you, you can't say that. You know, you got a comic book code or FA, FCC or whatever to, to 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 report to. So, but this doesn't have that. It's on a digital streaming service. You can you can go right into the cussing. You just cuss away. I love it. 
I love it. I absolutely love it. I love hearing comic book characters curse instead of the, the, the you know, the asterisks and the O's and the devil signs, uh, skull symbols. We're getting real deal cussing, and I'm loving that so far. Um, how would I rate this episode? You know, I'm positive on it, but it took a step back from where it was last week. I think this episode is actually just a six. Six out of ten. Um, I think that it's it's a continuity episode. It's a it's a bridging episode, a one that leads us from one episode into where we're going. And it's it, it's not filler, but it's a it's a buffer. It gives more. It gives it it it, it, it adds meat to where you're gonna feel about the show come later on. I don't know whether the payout's gonna be good yet. Um, whether we're gonna get what we feel we des- we need from this, because it better have a good payout, because so far it's been a slow burn. But generally speaking, I'm positive on it. But I'm giving it a six out of ten, um, just a half point off because I didn't get any other Titans. So my recommendation, f- but my recommendation for you is wait. Don't get this show yet. Wait until they're about like four or five episodes out and then binge it. That's my prediction for it. I think that it's going to be a binge-worthy show. I don't think that it's a great week-to-week show. We'll be watching week-to-week because, you know, we have no, nothing else to do. But you guys, for your second, for your, for your case, I think you get the most out of it if you binged. So just wait a couple weeks and we'll review more episodes, obviously. But yeah, I think that we're gonna we're gonna have to say wait wait a couple weeks and binge it otherwise stay tuned for reviews we're gonna be back right now with another review Hey guys, so I'm Yazzie, and as you know, this is a Blurreds United podcast. I'm the other half of the Blurreds United podcast. I am what you would call maybe Blurred adjacent, as I don't have as much information as most do. So we'll call this 
episode the golf and review so last week i went to go watch venom by myself i took upon myself to do a big girl thing and go watch venom i however was very skeptical I already had pre-judged the movie before I'd gone in basically because on Rotten Tomatoes it was like a 34-24 rating and then once it was out everyone was like oh my god it's amazing so I decided you know what let me just jump in and see what this is about now first things first Let's talk about who slash what Venom is. I had to do a bit of research personally because I wasn't sure. So it turns out Venom is a what they call a sentient alien symbiote symbiote symbiote. That's what it is. And in order for this alien to survive on Earth, it needs a host. Typically that host becomes a human, well not becomes, is a human. So in this movie, the host is a guy named Eddie Brock, who is a journalist and he gets involved with this company who's doing all this bad stuff and he ends up becoming linked up with Venom. Um, pretty much that's where it starts, that's where it, well not starts, but that's where the whole focus of the entire movie sits around and it's it's a whole long thing. If you haven't gone to see it, I suggest go seeing it or you can wait till it comes out on DVD. It's up to you. I, hmm. How do I put this? After watching, I must say, I highly enjoyed myself. I was like, okay, this was worth my money. I wasn't disappointed. I really believed I was going to be disappointed and I wasn't. I was so surprised. It starts off with a um, spaceship crash in, I think it's like Vietnam or something like that. One of those Asian countries, Vietnam or Thailand, somewhere along there. And we meet a uh, symbiote who turns out is not actually Venom, is another guy. But that's another story. Now I want to talk about the cast. I enjoyed this casting. It, it, it felt... It felt right, in my opinion. I would have to say that Tom Hardy as... Eddie Brock and Venom 
was a good choice. It was the right big name to have on this. It felt like he he knew. He, he, I think he brought some light, some light to the whole thing. Even though we're used to seeing Tom Hardy in more serious and slightly darker things, he he has good comedy timing, in my opinion. He was. I I laughed a lot listening to him and Venom go back and forth with each other when they were finally meshed together. That was really interesting to see. I would have to say though, the one problem I had was um, what is his name? It will come to me in a second. It will come to me. Will come to me. Uh, Riz Ahmed, I think is his name, who ends up being quote unquote the villain in this movie because the way they've portrayed Venom in it is Venom sort of like an anti-hero. He's what we know from him. Uh, from Spider-Man is not necessarily who he actually is the way they sort of structured this movie they have made sure that Venom is still seen in some sort of good light that with Eddie Brock Venom is out to do good is only there to hurt bad people is not there to just wreak havoc on the city so they create their own villain of sorts in um, Riz Ahmed's character, whose name is Carlton Drake. And Carlton Drake be- ends up being infected as well by another. Well, I wouldn't. Infected is the bad word. He ends up being the host to a number to another um, sentient alien. Whose name I think is Riot? Something like that? Yeah. So that becomes a whole thing. That's the big fight at the end. It's a fun movie, a really, really fun movie. And I'm glad that I put my preconceptions of it aside and went and saw it. Um, now would I suggest people have to see it in cinema? No, it's not a, if I don't see it in cinema, I will die. This can... It's a movie that honestly can wait till it's out on DVD, out to be streamed, Blu-ray, all of that. It's not a life and death movie like a lot of these Marvel movies are. It was fun. It had, although it did start off slow. Start off, it started off pretty slow, but picked up really well. So for that, out of 10, I'm probably going to give it a, I'd say a 7. 
7 out of 10 for me. I wouldn't mind going to watch it again in cinema. Not that it needs to be watched again. show that came out on Netflix. It was the first one of its kind. It featured a dude who was blind and he was a lawyer. And at night he went out and beat the crap out of people. Very dangerous people. And it was very popular. This show was of course Daredevil. And the Devil of Hell's Kitchen returned. Oh boy, okay, where do we start with this? Okay, I'm gonna start with the bad, because I like finishing up on good notes, all right? I always start off with the bad news, then I give you the good news. All right, the bad news. The bad news is Karen fucking Page. Oh my God. Now, it's not a criticism of the actress who plays Karen Page. That's not what I'm criticizing here. I'm just criticizing Karen Page. If you're like me and don't like people ruining your plans, if you don't like hypocrisy, if you don't like somebody forcing unnecessary conflict because they're not willing to talk to you or wait for things to manifest, then my God, you're going to be like me and hate a poor Karen fucking Page. Like, she's such a hypocrite, man. She's such a hypocrite. She's such a liar. She, not, not a liar. She's not, well, she is a liar, but like, because everyone on this show is kind of a liar. But Karen, I mean, I just, I wanted to punch her in the throat. You know, we got a little bit of a backstory with her. We found out her origin story and we found out she was responsible for her brother's death. This is a woman who's responsible for her brother's death. This is a woman who's responsible for killing um, Kingpin's right-hand man, you know, his, 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 his errant son. And yet she has the gall to criticize 
and and she hid this. She hid a dead body for Christ's sake this whole time. And then, but this whole time, this all all these seasons so far, she's been giving Matt stick for just be for just ghosting. Just being quiet, lying about his identity as the devil of hell's kitchen. I mean, what the fuck, woman? What the fuck? Just like. What kind of hypocrisy is that? I can hide a dead body, and I can hide the fact that I killed my brother, but it's not okay for you, blind man, to hide the fact that you're, you're, you're the devil of hell's kitchen who goes around punching people and saved my life twice. It's not okay. You lied to me, man. I don't like people lying to me. Come on. You lied about your brother the whole goddamn time. And then forcing conclusions. I mean, she, she had the whole plan of going over to... to, 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 to to Wilson Fisk's office and getting beat up because of that th- this show could have ended on like episode I think that was episode like 8 or 9 this show could have ended episode 8 right there it could have ended right there if Karen hadn't just decided I have to take matters in my own hands and do something even though this is exactly what Matt did and does on a regular basis and I have no superpowers or ability to defend myself I'm just hoping and praying that the people who I know and say are corrupt are going to save my life just before I get my ass kicked or killed by a mad guy who I know is a, is a raving lunatic murderer does that seem like a sound plan to you? it doesn't sound like one to me but that's what Karen Page thinks her warped little mind just went around that one and anyway man, I, I just I, I, I can't I can't I can't with that woman I, I really really can't I just, I just, she's so annoying. Um, but look, there's something else that annoys me about this character. You know, more something more structured. I'm gonna calm down. All right, I'm gonna calm down. Um, something else annoys me about this character. I think after the dare, after not Daredevil season two, after her appearance on Punisher, I stopped thinking about her as a Daredevil character. I started thinking about her more as a Punisher character. And I'm going to explain why. Alright? I've always... And it has to do with the hero themselves. I think of... The Punisher as a character whose biggest battle is... And and the the, the main antagonist against them is... Sorry, let me let me start that over. I think of Frank Castle... And I think what he has to overcome is an image problem, right? That's what we introduced to with in Daredevil season two. He has an image problem. He has, a, and who solves image problems? That's the media. Karen Page, working for the uh, New York Bulletin, is in a great position to be his aide, to be the person who brings him information, who they share information, they share exclusives, etc., etc., and helps as a reciprocal relationship. It goes up, it goes down, but I think that it would have been a very, it's a very natural relationship to have her on that show and dealing with the consequences of their relationship. I think of Daredevil, and I think he's more of a traditional vigilante who suffers more of a legal problem, his own legal and moral code of how far is too far, how far is too far and what is legal and what is not because he's actually a trained practicing lawyer. I think of him and I think to myself, he has a legal problem. And I think that the character who he should have been working with, like I enjoyed in season one, is that, um, gosh, his name escapes me all of a sudden. I don't have my notes in front of me. Um, that, That black cop. 
that black cop who he's been working with and giving information and whose who's career they've helped build each other up on that's the character that i wanted more of a relationship with on this show he appears i think in like three or four episodes i don't know whether it's because they had some sort of um, timing issue or scheduling problem but i wanted to see more of him and i didn't want to see as much of karen as i did i wanted to see more of that black cop i think he's a detective now and i think that Karen doesn't seem didn't seem to fit for me on this show. In fact, she seemed more of a hindrance to the show progressing in a in the way I wanted than a help. I thought that I, I suppose having it's nice to have a an outside view, someone who's not in the legal channels, who's not a lawyer, who's not a cop, and whatnot to 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 to, to give some sort of outside feedback on the show somebody who's quote-unquote normal but i you know it's it's funny i i literally forget while i'm watching the show that foggy is not is sorry that foggy is a lawyer i actually forget that because he's he's such a nice moralistic normal human being who's being plunged into the, the world this world and I find that I forget my I forget that. And I think he serves a dual purpose on the show of being the b- counterbalance to Matt Murdock and being the, the 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 voice of reason and normality on the show that we didn't need in Karen Page. Karen Page serves as a lot of raw emotion. She's like an emotional, not counterbalance, but like an emotional, you know, she adds more weight to the left side of the scales as it were, you know. Um I, I, I don't know. I just think that Karen didn't need to be anywhere near as prominent on this season as she was. But say la vie. Um, I don't think that it massively took away from the show, but you felt it. Now, let's talk about the episode length. Episodes. All right. This season was 13 episodes. And I got to be honest with you. It, you felt it. You felt 13 episodes. It was... I got... I, I started watching on Friday. Um, the, the day it came out. And I stu- and I finished watching on Saturday. Right? Saturday evening. It was hard getting through those first four or five episodes. It really was. It, because it, it was a slow burn. It was a slow burn. It was, it was not... They didn't set a really, you know, hip happening tempo. In those episodes, there were a lot of like build, slow burn, slow build up, and some people are gonna feel like the payoff isn't big enough. You know, they they did things in those first couple episodes to make you feel, you know, but that it just didn't move fast enough. I think that there's a lot of things that they could have done to remove that and you know give Karen Page less screen time. And all of a sudden, I think we could have shaved off two episodes. We could have just eliminated Karen's episode altogether because I don't give a crap about her backstory or whatever, except that now I have an actual genuine reason to put it. I'm, I'm still talking about Karen fucking Page, aren't I? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. You came here to listen to, to my review, not just the anti-Karen Page show. I understand. Where was I? Yes. Um, 13 episodes. I think that's too long. I've been petitioning that these Netflix Marvel shows should just be 10 episodes. I thought that Defenders was too short. I thought that 
this season of Daredevil was too long. I thought that Iron Fist was too long was 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 the right length. I thought that Luke Cage was too long. I thought that Jessica Jones was too long. 13 episodes is too much. 10 episodes seems right to me. I think it's a nice round number that everyone can get around and I think that it aids in the binge watching format. Anyway, that's just my my opinion on it. I think I mean I it's not as bad on this show as it was as if, as I felt it on say Jessica Jones where I felt wow this is this is long man this feels this feels long Luke Cage as well I was like whoo somewhere in the middle you got fatigued and you kind of wanted to get away from it all for about for for a few hours you know you didn't just want to dive right back into it because you looked at how many episodes you got left and you're like Christ I'm, I'm not even halfway through you know, and that, that's that. There's that feeling that happens, and I, I felt that during this season of Daredevil. I felt it in moments around episode three or four, uh, maybe even as far as five. I felt like Christ, there's a lot more to come, isn't there? I hope it doesn't stay at this pace, which it doesn't. And the payoff, well, that's a great little segue into the good. Ding ding, the good on this episode season of daredevil well let's start off with the obvious um the action sequences daredevil is well known for having really tight very good um action sequences very hong kong style chop sake um there's a lot of like acrobatic moves that like you know that you you only really find in in Hong Kong style action movies. Um, it's very fluid. It's very nice. It's very tight. Um, I think that the actors do a great job of making of, of using their own natural attributes in order to. Um, sorry, the choreographers do a great job of putting the attributes of the actors and what's behind the character into the characters into into the fight choreography um you can see this in the way in the difference between daredevil and bullseye's fighting styles bullseye is not that he's incompetent hand to hand you know in, in close quarter combat but he's he's a sharpshooter he is a he's a long distance guy he likes he likes to fight with a little bit of distance and they incorporated that very well he can hold his own and create distance. That you could see it throughout the fight. That like within within like the first ten seconds of him meeting Daredevil, he realizes I am massively overmatched in close hand-to-hand action. I need to create distance, some way of being able to throw things at this guy because that's where I have a massive advantage. He can't dodge me, and that's what I'm going to do. Um, I think there's there is the classic. I think everyone's going to be talking about one episode in particular, um, which is the, the Daredevil, which is a Daredevil staple of a single shot action sequence. They, they've done this on every single episode. Every single episode has had this. Um, there's the warehouse sequence. Uh, we saw that in uh, season what, one or two. They, they, both of them happen in like buildings where you see him fighting all the way down a staircase and kicking ass and all that stuff and it's it's and this time it happens in a prison and it is it is a thing to behold man and i just wonder where were these guys during iron fist you know especially during season one where were these guys 
why didn't they do it? Was it the actor wasn't good enough? Was Finn Jones not capable of, of doing this sort of work? I don't know. Anyway, um, I think that that's, that fight sequence, people are going to be talking about it for days to come. You're going to hear about it on a lot of other review shows and a lot of other places. Um, let's talk about the supporting cast. Excellent. Excellent supporting cast. All the way from um, The Nun, who, um, you know, is, uh, well, you're, you're going to, you'll find out. I'm not going to spoil that one for you if you haven't figured it out just yet. If you haven't gotten to that episode. Um, the, the, the Nun, the, the Father, Father Brian, I think his name was. The great, I think, that Foggy Nelson. Man, Foggy Nelson is the MVP. Gosh darn it, man. Foggy goddamn Nelson. I, I, I love that guy, man. I, I, he, he, we all deserve a friend like Foggy Nelson. Matt Murdock does not deserve a friend as good as Foggy Nelson. That man is... That's your right or die right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, Foggy Nelson is the goddamn man. I loved him. I think that... Um, the rest of the supporting cast. Um, I'm not getting into the villains just yet. I'm not getting into them. Uh, they are. They they, they they did their jobs. They did their jobs to a T. Um, I think that. Well, let's let's fine. Let's 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 go and talk about it. Okay, the villains. I swear to God. Okay, we've had we've been spoiled this year by Marvel. Marvel has positively, utterly spoiled us this year. We have had four villains come fully to fruition this year. We had Bush. We start. Let's start, let's start off at the right at the beginning. Right at the beginning of the year, we got none other than Killmonger, who is arguably the villain of the year. Right? That's what we say. Right? He's 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 the antagonist of the year. Because I don't think that a lot of people think of him as a villain, but he's the antagonist of the year, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, well, a lot of people would say that. Um, then we got ourselves a, a, a certain blue guy with a with a scrotum on his chin called Thanos. You know, Thanos over there was sweet Christmas. I, I mean, we're still talking about what he's done. He's he's left his mark on the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Marvel the live action stuff on the whole. It's, it's, it's he's brilliant, right? And then we got ourselves a little Bushmaster. As, as much as I have gripes with season two of Luke Cage, I think that Bushmaster was a fine, fine addition to the show. His particular form of his fighting style, his intensity, his everything was 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 great. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about all these guys. These guys, all of them. They had a redeeming quality about them, right? All of them, you kind of felt like, I get what you're getting, where you're, where you're coming from, man. I, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm with you, son. I get you. I feel you, dog. You know? Like, people made excuses for Thanos. People made excuses for Killmonger. People have made excuses for Bushmaster. Of course you'd, you'd kill some, and you'd, you'd, you'd want to go and kill him. Black Mariah, because she killed your family. Mariah Stokes, she killed my family. I'm going to kill them all, man. You know, Thanos, we've got to kill half the universe's population in order to make sure that blah, blah, blah. And Killmonger, I mean, yeah, whatever. I, I don't even, I'm not even going to try and pretend I can do an accent in his voice. But this character, Kingpin, 
holy shit. This is not one of those guys. This guy is a straight up and down villain. There is no redeeming quality about him apart from his ability to love. He can love, but just because a guy can love doesn't mean his that his love is good. This is this is like when Dexter found um, that other woman who is also a serial killer, and like they found each other and they they accepted each other's each other's darkness. And I'm like, that's crazy because now it's instead of just like this light bluish black and a purplish black, now we got a pitch black, and it's, it's this is gonna lead to all kinds of mess. That's what this guy is. This guy is dark, man. And uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, sweet Christmas, man. Put it down in this episode, in this season. This season, he just, he took it all the way to another level. He is easily, for me, the villain of the year. The villain of the year. He's an outright villain. Not an antagonist or, or, of the story, but an absolute villain. This is the most evil character, I think, that I have seen Marvel thus far present. You know, where his rationale, you, you understand it. You know, he's, he's sick. He needs help. He wants to control everything. I mean, he doesn't want. He doesn't want to get blamed for it all. He he doesn't. Th- I don't think he thinks of himself as a hero or a villain. He thinks of himself as just. His motivation is just. This is who I am. This is what I want to do. I I want to be in control of things. And if I am in control of things, things move very smoothly. They move better. Um, and I will, but if I'm not in control of things, I'm going to destroy people until I am in control of things. I think that Vincent really put together a really sterling performance here of a guy you're, you're just going to hate to hate. You're just, you're just going to hate. Plain and simple. Although you will admire the artistry of his planning. Sweet mother of pearl. This guy's planning, it's next level. I swear, if they just recruited this guy to the planning committee of the Avengers... They would have had Thanos begging for mercy. Thanos would have been like, man, I didn't even know that I didn't want those Infinity Stones to begin with. That they were poison chalice. Man, I really screwed up. Oh, man. Help me, Kingpin. Help me be better like you. You you helped me so much, man. You know, I mean, mean, obviously that that probably wouldn't happen, but they would have had a better shot then using the planning skills of Tony Stark. What planning skills? Anyway, Bullseye. Bullseye is a knockout. Bullseye is, um... Bullseye hits the target. Yeah. Bullseye, they absolutely nailed him. And he's part of the reason why the beginning of the season is kind of a slow burn, but I was willing to take it with him where I wasn't with characters like Karen. I wasn't willing to take him with characters like Karen. I think that Bulls, this guy, this character of Bullseye, um, what's his name, Poindexter, is man. They really hit the mark, and you feel for him. But uh, you feel for him. He's more of a, the tra- the traditional bad guy. He's, I put him next to kill. I put him next to uh, not Killmonger. I put him next. To, well, he's sort of like Killmonger, and he's sort of sort of like um, Bushmaster in their level of complexity of their plans. And what, what it is they want to achieve and how they want to achieve it. He's he's sick. He needs help. But you, and you understand why he's sick and he needs help. And it takes him a while to, to accept himself. But that's that's all well and good. But he's just he's more of a simplistic character. 
you know but they, they absolutely nailed him i thought that the intensity the emotion behind him it was it was great um could they have done this with the original daredevil movie yeah, they had a Colin Farrell, who I think if you'd given him this script, a script like this, he would have eaten it up. He would have knocked this right out the park. But they didn't. But whatever. We're not thinking about that Ben Affleck Daredevil movie any longer. Those days are over. Um, we have a new Daredevil, and he's kicking ass with his with his bullseye. Um, I think that it's it is really really good what they did with him. Um, now let's get into what is the lead into the show, and this is really the story of the season. Yes, there's yes, there's Matt Murdock going on, the whole Matt Murdock storyline going on. Yes, there is Karen Page and Foggy Nelson and Wilson Fisk and all that. But interwoven into that, the real thread of the show that runs throughout the entire season is one Ray Nadim. I've taken to calling this season of Daredevil the ballad of Ray Nadim in over my head. I feel so bad for this guy. I mean, you want to you wanna get a cautionary tale of a guy who comes into a situation with the best of intention, wanting to do good, and it all falls into pieces because he's way over his head? This is it. You know, this poor bastard, he starts off, Ray Nadim just starts off as a normal man who is in debt. You know, his, his, his sister-in-law got cancer. His, um, she was denied coverage for, from their healthcare provider. Typical American story, I'm told. Um, so he paid for it. You know, he did what a good man does, you know, for somebody he loves. He, he pays for it. He, he takes out debt in order to pay for it. Um, and which puts him at odds with the FBI, with his job, you know, and so on and so forth. And you can see where this is going. He's just trying to do good. He's trying to pay for, he's trying to pay for his sister-in-law. He's trying to build a pool for his kid in the backyard. He's trying to take care of his wife. You know, he's just trying to live a good life. He's trying to put bad guys in jail because he works for the FBI. He's proud of who he is and he should be proud of who he is and what he wants to achieve is simple aims. And you, you, you know that expression, um, the road to hell is paved with good intention? That's what this show is. That's what, that's what, that's what they represent here. Man, Ray Nadim ends up, the place that we leave him by the end of the show is, I, I, I just, man... I was sad. I was sad. I was I was gutted for the man. Um, although he does get his own at the end, um, which I loved. Um, I think that the whole the whole show kind of rests on his shoulders. This season, this this season kind of rests on his shoulders at this point. And and, and um, I think I think you're gonna love it. Uh, let's get right into the rating then. How do I rate this show, this, this season, thus far? Uh, not thus far, but how do I rate this season? Okay, I really do believe that season one of Daredevil is the closest you're likely to get to perfect on the Netflix show. It's the best Netflix, Marvel, M&U show, Marvel Netflix Universe show uh, season so far. Season one of Daredevil was damn near perfect. I gave it a straight up nine it gave it got a nine um it's hard to get a 10 out of 10 um very few 
even come close to that. But this was a 9, maybe as high as a 9.5, you know? And I, I only give it a 9.5 simply because I didn't get the suit until right at the end, the last episode. That got me mad, but whatever. I gave it a 9.9, 9.5. It's in that zone. Season 2, is this season, is season 3 as good as season 1? No. No, it's not. It's not, not as good as season 1. Is it better than season 2? Yes. Yes, it is. This is a better season, in my opinion, than season 2 of Daredevil. Is it better than any other Netflix, of any of the other Netflix shows? Seasons? Hell, thus far. Is it the best Netflix show season that, season we've seen so far? Yes. This year, it's the best season of, of a Marvel Netflix Universe show. Easily the best. Is it better than any of them? Have any of the other other of the other shows brought up a better season? Yes. I think Jessica Jones season one was better than season two of Daredevil. I think it was. I, th- I thought that it, w- it presented something that I never thought I'd seen in a comic book show. It was really straight out of the Bendis novels. It was very psychological, very emotional, very thrillery, very psychological. And I loved that. Um, it wasn't for everyone, but for me, I gave that show a solid 8.5. Which is exactly how I rate this episode, this season. Sorry. I think that this show went to a different level and I think it's going more toward a more traditional format it's not trying to set up anything apart from itself um I think that the Marvel Netflix universe is building to is no longer trying to build toward a Defender style show I think it's trying to by cutting away a lot of the fat and Iron Fist and Luke Cage which I still believe is going to be repackaged into um into Heroes for Hyder and Daughters of the Dragon. I think that this show went to a new level. Went to a went to a new level from where it was in season two. I think that 8.5 is a solid rating. And if you don't watch this immediately, man, I'm sorry, but you're gonna get a lot of spoilers, you know, from for this season. Um anyway, that's just my views views on it. What do you guys think? So, you like the show? Or maybe you don't. Maybe you want to ask us a question, or even better, give us an answer. We have so many questions! Well, you've got a few options to get that done. You can, of course, tweet us at Blurds United. You can DM us on Instagram. Um, that's also at Blurds United. Or you can chat to us directly on Facebook or go to our group there. Join, please. We always welcome new members. Or, if you're really feeling up to it, you could get the Anchor app and send us a voice note and you can get your voice on this show telling us whatever it is. Hell, if you ask a really good question, we might even call you in for an interview. How about that? 